Welcome to The Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. My name is Emma and I'll be your host for today's episode. Today I'm joined by another absolutely fantastic woman. I'm joined by Lisa Saunders. Now Lisa's priorities in life are happiness and time. So time with family, time for self, time to time to look after herself. And I'm wondering whether or not that's why she stepped away from that corporate workplace and instead moved into nutritional food coaching. Now she works as co-owner of Own Your Own Collective, Own Your Own Health Collective, sorry. Uh, your Own Your Health Collective. Well, I didn't do that very well at all. Let me try that again. <laughs> it's all right. Everyone gets <laughs> that. It's all good. I wrote it down in everything. Um, Own Your Health Collective. So she's also a wife of 25 years. She's a mum of two. She has a 17 and a 13-year-old. She loves walking, travelling with her family, and she fills her cup with that travelling with her family and food and movies and just time to get out of the craziness. So thank you so much for joining me today, Lisa. Well, thanks, Emma, for having me. I am, um, and I, actually, you know, one thing I forgot to tell you is that I have this delightful schnauzer who's like my third child. Oh. All so much joy. Um, so I feel terrible. I've left her out of the equation there. <laughs> See, now we can be friends, traveling and dogs. They're like my favorite things in life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you can't go wrong, can you? Well, I'm told that possibly other people have different priorities, but I think they're wrong. So, yeah, that's exactly right. I love that. So, today we're going to be talking about menopause. Yeah. So, for the last 19 years, I've been working in women's health service. And for 19 years, we put out a twice a year, we put out a. Um, service evaluation form and we ask our clients what they want to see more of or what would they be interested in attending if we ran it and so 38 times on that form I've seen menopause and 37 of 38 times where we've run a menopause session nobody's come so I feel like people want to learn more about menopause but then they think oh well, I don't want to go out in public and ask questions about menopause mm. That's so interesting because my business, I, I co-own own health collective with my business partner, Natalie Moore, and we have especially seen over the last year more people wanting to talk about it. But there's still a lot of discussion around, well, if I talk about it, where's that psychological safety? Am I going to be okay or safe in the workplace to talk about it? Mm. If I talk about it, are people going to look at me like I've got two heads? Like, you know, often... The people they're talking to is got they're probably going through the same sort of things or in the same phase of their life um but they're a little bit hesitant but funnily enough when we do our webinars and workshops on menopause people are quiet at the start and we mm. often ask um the question you know when you think of menopause what comes to mind and we recently had the um reply and someone said road rage <laughs> <laughs> Ah. we did have a bit of a chuckle but there's a lot of negativity around it but you know by the end of that workshop and other workshops that we've done people are actually um, well most of them are women mm. are putting their hands up and so, and you know actually you sort of get a number of hands up at the first time it's got oh which one do I pick so I think um the times are definitely changing it's it's interesting because we are the first generation of women that's openly talking about it so our parents our grandparents and you know those before them haven't been and we are living longer as well yeah. you know 
And then if you look at history, it hasn't really been kind to us when you look at some parts of history where you were basically thought to be a witch and burnt to the stake. So, um, you know, you've got to think about all that historical stuff as well. But, yeah, I, I can understand why. And, you know, there are some women in the workplace who will say, well, you know, is it going to have an effect on my career if I start openly talking about it? What's it going to do to it as well? But I think workplaces are also becoming more happy to chat about it and instigate education around it is what we're seeing. Yeah, and up until hearing Natalie talk about sort of how menopause impacts the workplace, I'm going to be honest and it's quite embarrassing because, like I said, 19 years working in a women's health service, that hadn't even occurred to me. So Yeah, that it affects women in the workplace? Or how it would affect women in the workplace or how as a workplace we should be looking at supporting women through menopause. Yeah, and there's a really good stat that um, Circle In did some um, research with women, the Victorian Women's Trust, um, just last year, I think it was. And in that, they found that 83% of women felt that menopause symptoms negatively impacted their work. More than half of those women confirmed that they wanted to leave or take a break from the workforce because they weren't supported at work or, you know, there wasn't education around it at work. They didn't know about it, neither did their, you know, the other employees or their managers as well. So there's a real, yeah, there's a different, definite impact on those women around the workplace and just what they're feeling, you know, if they're having a hot flush, what happens? What do they do? You know, what's available at work for them? If they're just really feeling off, you know, what kind, what kind of policy is there around, you know, possibly working from home rather than coming to work? And I suppose one of the silver linings from COVID is that we've created these hybrid working arrangements now with uh, a lot of you know states across victoria um across australia and you know the world so you know there is that flexibility for women to still they still want to work there's no doubt about and a lot of them are just coming back into their working life you know Mm. after having children or even if they haven't had children or whatever the situation has been um you know they're just coming into a, a really good point in their careers and bang they hit perimenopause or menopause and you know it can start to whisper even from your late 30s depending you know there's a, a number of women that go through it early as well so yeah it's it's very it's very individual but it affects every woman and i think from memory if i remember the stats only about 20 percent of women have uh, very few or no symptoms so the rest of us 80 percent always experience something and and i from personally obviously i've got a health background mm. but always been interested in health always looked after nutrition if you ask my friends when they did my i'm 52 but at my 40th they did this um poem together and it was all about how i'm you know i can only drink certain milks and you know they had everyone <laughs> in stitches and, you know hilarious so i've always been that way inclined and but i've um i've actually had a number of you know fairly full-on symptoms especially over the last sort of two years 18 months that I never thought that would occur to me because I've always looked after myself but had I not been doing that then what would they have been like how how much worse it would have been so and you know I think there's a really good point in there that the sooner we start looking after ourselves no matter what age or what phase we're at in our life the entry into menopause um or perimenopause and you know the menopause postmenopause and beyond uh, can be a lot better and a lot uh, a lot easier for some for many women. Okay, I've got lots and lots of questions. 
So I've heard you mention perimenopause, menopause, and then kind of postmenopause. Yep. Can you give me a brief distinction between those three? Sure. So perimenopause is the transition to menopause. So it starts in your mid to late 40s, but for some it can start whispering um, mm-hmm. before that. Um, it lasts on average around five to eight years duration, but I'm 52 and I can honestly tell you I recognise went into perimenopause at 42. Did not back then though. So this it's a time when your hormones start to they start to change. They basically start to wind down so that a production of estrogen and progesterone in the ovary starts to, you know, starts to change and wind down. And it will, you know, how one woman experiences the start of perimenopause will differ to another one as well. Mm-hmm. And then we get to menopause. So menopause Before is we the get last... to menopause, I know that I asked sure. the definition. No, no. But oh, what kind of symptoms do you think people might experience in that penny? I know you understand it's like asking how long's a piece of string and no, it's different no, for everybody, question. but yeah. Yeah. I think one of the, look, you know, definitely from my own experience and speaking with a lot of other women, um, and in fact, we have a really good chat with our perimenopause power podcast that the session, the session that dropped today is around um our interviewee was talking about this exact thing and her symptoms are very similar to mine, but irregular periods. Mm-hmm. So for a lot of women, they would have just been quite regular, um, you know, cycles. And then you'll notice it might get shorter. Um, definitely for me, it was shorter times in between as it progressed. Um, that's definitely one. I didn't so much have hot flushes, but definitely mood changes and mine were quite enormous and mm. scary. Um, and especially having little kids, that was scary to me and to them and to my husband. So well, yeah, with having a, like things, a seven-year-old and a three-year-old, that would be... It was. It was, yeah, pretty full on. So I'm trying um, to deal with toddler tantrums and mummy tantrums as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the thing was, I remember when I would be going through it, I would think about there would be one part of my brain going, what is going on with you? You've never been like this before. Like it's... There's things that start coming in that you think, I've never acted like this before. And confidence is another one. It starts, it does really start, you start questioning things and you start thinking about your confidence. And another one will be um, because that estrogen is changing, those hormones are changing, uh, you know, you can have some sleeplessness. So that wasn't constant, but I do know that before my, I knew my period was coming, even though it'd gone irregular, because I couldn't sleep, and I am I'm I'm the kind of person that could sleep on a barbed wire fence. Yeah. Um, you know, I've fallen asleep in front of a band in a pub in Melbourne years ago, and on my husband's shoulder, and slept right through it. So, um, there's some of the things that can happen um, generally. But the irregular periods is a really good one, um, and I think a lot of women put it down to being busy. Yeah, and that busy yeah. can you know um, certainly start that unraveling of your hormones as well because the stress you know when we're busy and stressed that cortisol rises mm. and that does have an impact on our hormone production and and that balance as well. So they're probably some of the really common ones that come to mind. I think though with that, um, what so I was hearing somebody speak about her experience recently. And she said that she actually thought that she was going crazy, like yep. just overwhelming sense that she's completely losing it. Yep. And, um, and none of us use those words lightly. Uh, but for her, because she's taking contraceptive pills, 
then she's unaware of that, you know, the sort of yeah. main symptom of irregular periods. Well, if you're taking a contraceptive pill, then obviously you don't have that as a big clue. You to- don't. And you, and you wouldn't, you know, it, it does mask some of it. You, mm. you might definitely have some of those symptoms, but it's a different way that your hormones are being cared for, caressed, whatever you want to call, you know, through that time. And we often say, you know, often women will go through menopause while they're on the pill because they stay on it for a long time. Yeah. And they don't really know that they've gone through it until they come off. So, and, you know, look, I'm no doctor, but when you are on the pill, it's not really, you're not really having a period. Yeah. You're actually having a withdrawal, you know, a, a bleed sort of thing. And, um, yeah, you w- it, it would definitely mask those symptoms. Mm. So, but, you know, there are women that sort of do, um, you know, they, don't, they still don't feel right, but yeah. it would be a lot to tell, definitely. Mm. So then next phase is menopausal menopause yep so menopause is it's basically one day and it's um the last it's the last or final menstrual period that a woman experiences but you actually won't know that's your last one until 12 months after your last period so it's the day after that 12 months right yeah and it's like and there's so many women that just wouldn't know that. It's just they'll think, oh, I haven't had my period for a while sort of thing. So, <laughs> I don't um, know how long it's been. Yeah, exactly. Very, very common. Yeah. And um, and I often say, you know, you might have gone eight months and then bang, your period will come back. You've got to go all the way back to the start yeah. and count from one. You know, count, go back to one and count to 12. So there's a lot of women that go, really? I can't just pick it up? No, can't. <laughs> that doesn't feel fair, just saying. No, it's certainly yeah. not fair. Certainly not fair because you know it's it's quite a nice thing not to have to worry about you know having a period right so you know that's in a whole other story because there is there is a celebration around that period but even a lot of people wouldn't call it a celebration but it's just you know we'll save that for another chat <laughs> but average age is around fifty to fifty two um, it can be earlier it can be later mm-hmm. that's just on average so after that one day you're post menopausal and then you are like that for. The rest, the rest of your, of your life, life. Yeah. you know, and as I said, you know, that could be another 20, 30, even 40 years, depending on when you've gone into um, menopause, if you've gone into it early. So, and that's really it in a nutshell. What's interesting, you know, women will say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in menopause, but usually what they mean is I'm actually in perimenopause. Yeah. And it's only just getting out from an education point of view now that menopause really is just that one day. Mm. It's like the, um, you know, there's, those posts that circulate on social media that say you'll never realize the last time you pick your child up, mm. you know, or yeah. like, you know, it's that same kind of concept, really, isn't it? That these things Absolutely. happen, but as they're happening, you don't yeah. ever realize that it's not going to happen again. No, yeah, and I have you having to, yeah, my two kids. I wonder about that all the time. When did I pick you up last? When did you really last hold my hand? It's the same thing. When did I really have my last period? Like, yeah. Yeah, and some women celebrate it and some women just, um, some women mourn it actually, mm. even though they're not going to have another child or anything that like that. sense of loss some, of control and yeah. loss of choice. Yeah. Yes, absolutely, mm. you know. Um, but I think a lot of the work that Nat and I do is really, okay, acknowledging that there's a little bit of scariness in relation to going into this time of your life, um, but understanding that it is a very natural thing it's going to happen um and really when you think about it it's pretty clever because like who wants to be fertile for the rest of their life really 
Could you imagine having a baby at 80 years old? I can't imagine having a baby now and I'm still <laughs> 40 for another no, month. So. No, I, 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 yeah, I, I sort of think of it as, you know, that's really, really clever. Yeah. So you, you can get over that. And obviously you've got to deal with the symptoms, but part of what we do is helping women to accept that those symptoms are there and that, that you know, they could face any of them, mm. a few of them, none of them, whatever it looks like. Um, you know, and I often say, I often say the thing with um, with hot flushes. So um, I've gone in and out of having them, but when I was having them, I would just be. It's like I knew this is going to pass, and I just feel it coming right up my body and going out of my head, and I would just breathe and I just say, okay, I'm just going to wait, and it would pass, and I'd just get on with it, right? And it can be really debilitating. I'm not mm. sort of saying that it's not, but I think that if we can acknowledge what we're going through and acknowledge the symptoms and work out how we're going to deal with them and, and know that we're going to have great days and shitty days, but then move on and celebrate what's ahead. You know, there's, I, I kind of like it because um, I have found that I'm at a point in my life where I think I don't really give a shit anymore about yeah. certain things. Whereas sometimes I previously I probably would have worried about them or thought, you know, what's somebody else going to think? And now I think, you know what, I really don't care. I don't have time for that. And um, you just move on. And I kind of like that. Just out of interest, did that did that sort of kick in when you turned about 50? Um, look, it's probably, well, I'm 52. Yeah, so it's probably in the last 12 to 18 months it's yeah. definitely kicked in. And, you know, I there was always a part of me that would think, oh, you know, I wonder what other people would think, but now I don't worry. It's just, it's, uh, it's, funny, I, it's um, just that natural thing, isn't it? You know, yeah. like even though you say, oh, you don't worry about what people, but you do you do yeah yeah you know yeah and it's really good because i think oh gosh i don't have time for that and it's like i wish i thought about this i wish i thought this same way five years ago even you yeah. know like yeah and it's quite funny because i've got younger friends and younger family and they'll stress about things and i'll go you know what it's really it's it's not a worry and i'll go yes it is i'm going no trust yeah. me it's <laughs> yeah it's funny so um a guest on an episode a couple of episodes ago was around turning 50 and so it was because it was the 50th episode but when she turned 50 I remember her saying that she felt this like as soon as she turned 50 it felt like she didn't have to care what other people felt and thought anymore and yeah. at the time I remember saying to her do I really have to wait until I'm 50 till I can feel like that no 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 you don't so I think it's yeah it's quite empowering actually for a woman and I think, um, you know, I think there's a lot of things we can learn off blokes because mm. they don't really give a brass rise about a lot of things, in yeah. you know, to a point. Yeah. And I think that if we had a little bit more of that sometimes, it would, it would probably serve us really well. Not to say that, you know, I, I haven't lost that, that emotional love or anything or care for my kids or anything. Yeah. It's just that I don't feel like things razzle me anywhere in what they used to before. And also knowing... We, um, Natalie and I hold these um, Thrive um, networking monthly events with local business women. And it's, it's, a, it's a group that's aimed at having these women come along and into a safe open space where it's about them looking after themselves because they're the only one in the business. And, um, and I've just lost my train of thought. What were we talking about? <laughs> See, that's called perimenopause. <laughs> they're um, they're not caring about what people are thinking. Yes, not getting as resolved. Oh, isn't that terrible? I had a really good story in my head and I can't remember. I'm so sorry. Emma. That's right. See, this is what happens. So one of them, that's another symptom. 
It'll come to me as we're talking, you watch. That happens, yeah, happens all the time. It's all good. So one of the things when you're talking about the hot flushes, so when, so I said, you know, out of the 38 times that we've tried to run a, a menopause information session, once it actually ran. Now, and I was the facilitator at the time. I think I was 23 giving an information session to these Wow. People. Yeah. I sh what on earth was I doing? But I'd been told, my boss told me to run an information session on menopause. I ran a health information session on menopause. And so I did a lot of reading. And because you know, at the point I hadn't had any children, you know, I had, had no life experience. I was, should not have been in that room. But anyway, so I did a lot of reading on it and re remember reading, you know, one of the symptoms that women often experience is hot flushes, hot flashes, depending on which way you want to say that. Yeah, yeah. But positive reframing, and I'm all for positive reframing. So how can we positively reframe this? They're not hot flushes, they're power surges. And I remember telling these people and these women writing it down, they're like, oh, that's such a great way to reframe it. And then recently, as a result of having COVID, I experienced hot flushes and night sweats and things like that and mm -hmm. thought to myself, power surges, are you kidding me? <laughs> An absolute crock. There is no positively reframing this. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. But you know what, Emma? It, that's interesting. At 23, did that just, did that um, make you more aware of, I assume you're in, are you, you're in perimenopause? Uh, no, not at all. No, okay, no. righto. So do, did that make you, so have you experienced anything that thinks, oh, I wonder, that's a bit different to, how I would normally, how would normally take life on, or how my day to day goes. Like, is that is that something that's made you more aware earlier? I suppose that because you're aware of it. I suppose I am more aware, but I've also been because I've been in a women's health sector for nineteen years. Probably yeah, more yeah. aware of that. So when I was sitting, so and working in women's health service, we probably speak more openly about things than a lot of um, a lot of yes. kind of businesses and workplaces yeah, do. So. Yeah when a colleague was sitting there and she was sharing some things, I was like, mm, you're 41 and a half. Have you maybe thought that, mm -hmm. you know, have you looked that's, into that's... perimenopause? And and she's like, no, I'm too young for that. I was like, oh, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> so... Isn't that amazing? Because we talk about uh, menopause not being an old woman's issue, yes. but an all of women's issue. Yeah. Because we hear the word menopause and we think, old grade haired lady right and and natalie did this really great comparison recently on linkedin where she compared the golden girls mm. at the same age as the girls from sex in the city in the second you know the, the second yeah. series or rerun that's just come out just like that and the polar opposites so yeah. they talk about menopause and stuff in in the new series it's fantastic i don't know if you've watched it but it's really good and um, it was just like, you know, just those perceptions are really, really strong still about that grey-haired woman when it's so far from it. And yeah. this is the other thing, you know, women don't realise it can start so early and start whispering, you know, in your late 30s, early 40s. So, but, you know, bravo to people like yourself that are saying that because we often talk to women that go, the only reason I actually thought maybe it is perimenopause is because I explained what I was feeling like and someone said to me, have you ever thought that maybe you're in perimenopause? It's gone, no. So they've gone off and looked into it and done yeah. some Googling and they've gone, God, blow me down. I think I am. And yeah. then, you know, the journey started from there. So 
you know, the more that we're educated, and that's what we're all about, about what, what it is mm. and um, how to manage it is really empowering. I think, though, there is still, like you say, that stigma around it. Mm. And so there is still the sadness and the... Um, oh, yeah. That even though I don't want to have children anymore, I don't want that to be taken away from me. And the, this idea that women's value comes because they can reproduce. And so when that's gone, then that's what they were bringing to society. So now their value is diminished. And um, mm -hmm. and how that's still being shown in arts, which is really interesting because there's still now there's this big push for women to have careers and to have it all. But still there's this sense of, loss and devastation at going through menopause and that means I'm old yeah it's a really interesting comment because I think we really do need to try and change how we see it if you look at some other cultures so women are revered yeah um, in some cultures in going into menopause is the wise one yes I was about to say and is it maiden mother and crone yeah, yeah, but there's another one for crone. There's another crone. Crone is um, there's two. I hate I hate the crone one. Yeah, but, um, you are right. Yeah, but it is. But it's you know they're revered for their knowledge. So mm. they're the ones that can look after the children. They can impart their knowledge of wisdom. You know, of having lived life to the extent of where they're at in life, and and that's where I think, and that's where we bring a lot. You know, if we are still working or if we're having a family or whatever the situation may be, we bring a lot to it, but we, we're not, it's certainly not portrayed that way in the mm. media. And I think the media has a big, they could really turn things around. So they do, you know, they're, they're definitely reporting it more and things like that, but I think there needs to be some more, you know, positivity around, don't get me wrong, I know there's negativity out there and I know, you know, women can have a terrible time, but I think there's a lot of positivity also to be gained to show women that, yes, we understand what you're going through, but here's all the things that you can be looking forward to as well. Yeah. Um, and I think what's really important as part of that message is um, also just normalising the the need to really look after yourself. Um, you know, we have this drop in hormones, uh, especially your oestrogen, and there are oestrogen receptors all over our body. It has so many flow-on effects to, um, to our health in so many ways. So, you know, our bone health, our mm -hmm. mental health. Um, our heart health, our joints, you know, there's so many things and we're not actively talking about that either. Uh, you know, we know about osteoporosis and things like that, but it was only a few years ago, really, when I sort of thought, oh, God, no wonder osteoporosis is such an issue. It's because we've got this drop in estrogen, you know, and but we're not really making some of those connections early on. And for that matter, we're not doing, it's not included in our education. I was about to say that. Yeah. I'm so I was at a yoga class just last week, actually. The facilitator was saying something along the lines of, you know, she'd just been to have, I can't actually remember the name of the injection, but she'd just been to have this injection. And for all of the women in the room who are postmenopausal, go and talk to your doctor because your risk of osteoporosis increases significantly. Yes. And this injection, whatever it was um you know that can really make a big difference and different ways that as women are aging they need to look after themselves and i thought mm. oh i actually did and there were a lot of women in the room who were like i'm just going to get my phone so i can write that down yeah. and one of the other women was like i you know i wasn't aware of that and i've just been to see my doctor why didn't my doctor tell me talk to me about that <laughs> so and, and well the, and 
good point that you raised too. So, you know, doctors, it's not, it's not, they're not taught about menopause. And there are a good time to mention here too, the Australasian Menopause Society has a list of doctors um, as members throughout Australia. You can go onto their website and you can drill down to where you're located and you can see where your nearest doctor is. Um, but when I say nearest, don't forget telehealth is a wonderful yeah. A, you know, thing that we have now. So COVID has given you know, us every, anything. Of, it's given us that. It, it does. You know, so a lot of women that are in rural communities mm-hmm. and that don't have access to doctors, um, you know, with with menopause specialty, they can now go through the um, the AMI and they can AMA, I should say, and um, and find out where there's a doctor that they can connect with. And I would really encourage that. And a lot of those doctors will offer a longer consultation because. Mm. You need that when you're going through menopause. A lot of women, number one, don't know. And number two, there's quite a big health history um, that they will take and lots of questions and things like that. So, um, yeah, that's really, really important. And, you know, going back to the bone health, things like the movement that you do, the movement, um, you know, that might have served you in your younger years doesn't necessarily serve you in your later years like you know definitely things like weight bearing work is is probably one of the main things you should be concentrating on definitely moving like moving your body every day um you know healthy aging is all about moving your body every day um but it's not about really pounding the pavement or you know if you're a runner coming into it and that's been your gig it's usually fine yeah but if it's you know if you were to take up running and make that your main exercise it's probably not the best way to be exercising either um but yeah osteoporosis is a big thing and, and same with you know you'll you'll see one, one of the biggest killers of women in in their later years is um heart disease and heart attacks because estrogen has a, a health protective element on our heart health and with that decreasing um, it really does, you know, change the stats from going from, peri- you know, premenopausal to postmenopausal. Mm. So apart from um, moving every day, what mm-hmm. other things should we be looking at to try and look at healthy ageing? Yeah. So with our business, we have what we call the five pillars, mm-hmm. and that is physical, mental, spiritual, emotional pillars, and how they all come back to the fifth pillar being yourself so if you can think of four circles that overlap each other and in the middle where they overlap that's the self yeah so um that's the framework of which we've built only health collective so there's an element of all of those that we need some more than others and some you concentrate you know you might concentrate more on your physical health than you do one of the other pillars at the you know don't expect us to be doing it all at the same time but look definitely nutrition um, putting on my nutrition hat, you know, good nutrition is really important. And I'm not talking difficult, uh, you know, or, or complicated. I'm talking about making sure you're getting enough protein for your body. We, we have a, a huge requirement for protein at this time in our lives. And sadly, it's a time where I see, you know, the women that we, you know, that I work with coaching one-on-one, they are not eating enough protein as well. And there's been some really new research come out um uh, that talks about how we have a high requirement for protein at this type point in our lives. It, you know, lots of vegetables. We don't eat lots of vegetables. And I know it sounds like a broken record. We hear it all through our lives. But I can tell you the power in eating, you know, a good amount of vegetables that give you lots of fibre, that helps remove that, that hormone, you know, the hormones that are being, you don't want hormones being recycled through your body. 
and just removing the toxins and whatever else that needs to get out that helps you know you help do that with eating you know fiber filled vegetables healthy fats we you know good quality real fats olive oil um is my favorite and you know putting a little bit of that in you know our brain's made up of fat so we want to make sure that we keep replenishing that and look for Um, people who are my age our age i think that idea of healthy fats still feels so feels like an oxymoron doesn't it like we we had it drilled into us for so long that fat is fat is bad fat is unhealthy we need to avoid all fats but actually no we don't so you know just nuts yeah. yeah, you know, you but doing simple things like switching avocado. the oil that you're using to olive oil, or switching the margarine that you're using to one that is olive oil based, things like that, or yeah. Um, yeah. easy ways to get good fats into your diet without. Oh, there is. Yeah, it's and the thing is, it, it's filling. So yeah. what what the beauty is that you know a lot of women complain um, that they put on weight in menopause, and it's actually a protective element for your body. It's again, your body's really smart, and it's its way it's protecting it because. We find that there is estrogen that lives, you know, gets produced in our fat cells. So because mm. we're losing the estrogen from our ovaries, well, the, the body thinks, well, I need to have a little bit of a baseline going along. So that's why we, we can probably find that we have more fat around our, our tummies or, you know, we, we probably might put on a, a few kilos. So whilst that can be a bit confronting, it can also be quite protective mm. as well. So yeah, fats keep you full. So fats, as I say to my clients, fat is your friend, and you don't. Have We're to not be talking a lot of KFC. It. We're talking no, healthy I'm, fats. I'm talking, is it come off? Is it come from the ground, an animal, or a tree? Yeah. And so you know, olive oil, avocado, nuts and seeds, coconut oils. You know, good quality ghee. You know, there's a whole lot of beautiful. You know, the, you know the whole, if you think about the fats that our our grandparents had. Yeah back in their day, you know, lard and things like that. I'm not saying you're having lots of them, but they're all real natural fats that we, you know, yeah. duck fat. We, we have duck fat potatoes here at home all the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's those beautiful nutrients. You don't have to be having a lot of it. Like no, that's it. Not suggesting going back to the days of dripping sandwiches. No, absolutely not. Time. No, it's, just, it's just there's – it's interesting because um, – those healthy oils, and if you look at the longest living societies in the world, and especially in the blue zones, they, um, you know, olive oil is one of their staples, nuts yeah. and seeds, you know, avocado, all that kind of stuff. So so from a nutrition point of view, um, I could talk forever on it, but that's very important. Um, moving your body every day, and I'm not saying, you know, 30 minutes just walking every day, but even, um, you know, we talk about weight-bearing exercise with physical, you know, even carrying your shopping bags in. Yeah. Um, you know, that primal movement and, uh, you know, my dad will come over and he'll say, oh, let me carry that in for you. I go, no, dad, that's my exercise. That's how I keep, you know, keep. I need that yeah. sort of thing. And my husband will say, oh, no, Phil, don't do that because she'll carry that in. She's one of the strongest girls I know, like, you know. So um, you, you really got to, you know, mix it up a little bit. So yeah. that's really important. Sleep is another one, you know, getting a minimum eight hours sleep, going to bed at a, a reasonable time you know anywhere from 9 30 to 10 30 get a good hour eight hour sleep mindset and meditation and just being and breathing all you know does wonders in relation to the stress response mm-hmm. uh, as well and you've got that spiritual and emotional house and that mental health so they all you know they all definitely cross over to each other and that mental health is really important also because we can see a rise in depressive and depression and anxiety through this time again 
because of this um, decrease of estrogen also. So, you know, having stress reduction methods to help with that is really important. And it's tricky, isn't it? Because I think often the time when, like the ages when women are experiencing perimenopause, is at a time when our children are, you know, mm. possibly at a stressful age and, mm. um, you know, re-establishing careers or careers are starting to get potentially more stressful. So there's added layers of stress as well. So it's sort of at a point where you need to go, well, I probably need to take a little bit more care in this area as well to try and look after myself. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's really important because you, if you are faced with, you know, some of those things as well, I always say to my boys, happy mum, happy son. So <laughs> if I'm looking after myself, I'm looking after you better. And my husband always says, happy wife, happy life. Yeah. So, and it's not, you know, we, we might laugh at it, but it's, it's really true. But the sad thing is that we are constantly hearing day in, day out about how many women just say, oh, I don't have time to look after myself, but they make time to look after everyone else. Where in fact, if they actually flip that around, and I'm not talking take half a day out, I'm talking about, you know, just sit down in the afternoon and have a cup of tea for 10 minutes if you want and yeah. just and just be and breathe, you know, that can be really powerful. And yeah. one thing I know, because I can be a little bit um, stressful from time mm. to time, and uh, one thing that Nat's got me um, doing and has taught me is just, that, you know, when you roll up to somewhere in the car, don't just turn your keys off and get out. Just stop the car, take a few deep breaths, no matter where you're going yeah. or what you're doing, and it's really powerful. Mm. So we often think that we have to do a lot of things. You know, we've got this mentality about, you know, you've got, we'll go big or go home. And, you know, and that can be with the, the plate size that we have or yeah. the holiday that we go on or the shopping that we do, whatever it is, when we don't really have to go big, we can go small and make, you know, immeasurable um, differences um, and I, along the way. I think, though, there's this idea that being busy is celebrated. And so oh, the busier absolutely. I am, that means I'm a more successful person or I'm a better person because I'm busy more often. And yeah. I think we we all as a society need to work on shifting that because that idea of being busy all the time, it's not healthy, it's not good for us. But you're right, we don't need to, when we talk about meditation or mindfulness, I think people, for me, I get this mental picture and I am showing my age, I know, but I get this mental picture of Shirley Gilroy from a country practice sitting in a teepee in the middle of her living room, you know, and dedicating hours to meditating in lotus position. We don't need to do that. So, you know, I work full time, I have three children, I volunteer, all of these things. I'm going to struggle to find an hour to sit down and do meditation every day. But when I'm waiting to pick my children up from school, um, my husband does it most days, but occasionally I do have to do it and I really don't like it. But anyway, when I have Mm -hmm. to go and pick my children up from school, taking a minute to go, there's a flower there. What colours can I see on that flower? And actually just really being in the moment. Or when, like you say, when you arrive somewhere, you don't have to get out and bustle straight away. You can take five slow, deep breaths or you know, box breathing where you breathe in for four, hold for four, out for four, hold for four. Do that four times. It's taking you 15 seconds, more 16 Mm -hmm. seconds, um, to do that one rotation of that. It's really simple to get get that in frequently throughout the day, but we need to train ourselves to do that. We do. 
Nat's jam is, you know, meditation and mindfulness. So, mm. and she, you know, people go, oh, I can't meditate. And she'll go, well, you know, maybe just try, try for 30 seconds or one yeah, minute. That's and it. And then see where you go from there. And she has successfully taken a large number of people from 30 seconds to 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you know. And, you know, journaling, if you, if you don't want to be, you, know, you just don't want to stop or something, you find that you've still got things going around your head, yeah. try journaling. And, and writing down what's going on, that can be really powerful as well. So, and I, I find it's one thing leads to another too, you know, I'll have people that come and see me that want to relook at how they're eating and, you know, just make it more of a long-term thing and stop, instead of jumping on and off that diet merry-go-round. Mm. And we just start with small little things and then, and then it's like the body's really clever and the body goes, you know, I actually want more of that. Yeah. So then they'll say, okay, I've done that. I've actually changed my habits around that. What can I do next? And yeah. it's a step-by-step process. And it's always it's always a process. You never get to where, where you think you've got and, you, and you're done. You know, you, you've climbed to the top of Mount Everest. It yeah. just doesn't happen, right? So we've also got to be understanding of that. And like Nat says, you know, stress is, there's, we all know, the stress is always going to be there. It's just at what level the stress is, is at. It's yeah. got to be, it's always going to be manageable. If it's over-manageable, then, you know, these are the kinds of things you can be doing. Yeah, and I think that idea with the habits. Have you read the Atomic Habits book, James Clear? I've, I think I'm actually I've actually listened to half an on Audible, yeah. <laughs> and, I've, and I've got to go back a little. But it is a really, it's, from what I've listened so far, it's fantastic. Yeah, but so yeah. what you're saying about so pairing habits. So you know yeah. when you when this, then this. So it's That's easy right. to go. You know, I use the example on an episode that we did around pelvic floor. So when I turn my indicator on remember to do my pelvic floor exercises or yeah. when I turn yeah. my engine off, remember to sit and do these. At the lights. You know, yeah, exactly. For me, it's like I'm at the lights. Oh, just do your feet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there's there's things that you can pair it with when I'm brushing my teeth. You know, I brush my teeth twice a day. That gives me an opportunity to practice mindfulness in those moments without yeah. having to go, oh, I need to find time today to practice mindfulness. Yeah. So there's ways to pair it together. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So coming back to something you said at the beginning, which was around, um, I think you said 83% of women felt that menopause negatively impacted them in the workplace and they felt as though they weren't, that I could have got that wrong. They weren't, no, you're, it was 83%. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well. They weren't, they felt like they didn't receive support in the workplace. Mm-hmm. What kind of ways do you think people can support that in the workplace? Look, there are, you know, it takes a variety of ways and um, I think some of the ways that we can be doing is, you know, definitely creating um, an organised, a, an atmosphere, an environment where people feel safe mm-hmm. to be able to talk about it. Education, education is key, obviously, and um, it, but that can take many forms and start off as, you know, some some companies might or workplaces might go all in right from the start and some of them might go softly, 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 softly. I actually don't care which way they go. As long as, long they as there's some it. movement, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, you know, we had a client that we did the recent workshop to and initially they contacted us and said, look, we might just do a focus group with about 10 women and sort of see what the mood is and stuff. And then uh, about two weeks later we reconvened and they said, you know what? this has had so much, you know, there's been so much talk about this in the last two weeks. We're just going to go straight into a workshop. Mm. And, yeah, so 
in a, in a workshop can then lead to a program that we can you know you can do uh, in a workplace so it depends on what the workplace wants that can that can encompass things like coaching and things like that but i think giving workplaces the opportunity or the case to connect is really important um so you know what's happening can be not singled out but definitely allows for that connection to be made and you know looking for an acknowledgement that you know you don't have to have the long conversation about it but just acknowledge that you know i acknowledge that you're going through something whether it be menopause or some other you know other issue because we we do all these things you know for all those taboo subjects that have been before it and we now accept them and, and we make a place for them and we make that case to connect for them as well you know and bringing some compassion that you know if you're going through something there's compassion there from the employer or the manager around that but again the education comes back into that mm. because i don't think compassion will occur unless the manager or the other employee has had that education around you know understanding that it, there's a normality around what this person is going through and having the human skills to be able to to manage that to to show the compassion and you know and reaching out to them is really important as well and i think there's a little bit about being brave as well so you know becoming that advocate in the workplace there's a lot of women these days that are actually and men i should say that actually would love to you know to bring it more openly into the workplace so there's there's a bit of a and, and they are doing it they are actually creating conversations so there there's that braveness there but all of it does start with that education and what it looks like. Um, yeah. And whether that be by, you know, there is, there's a little bit of conjecture whether you have a menopause or menstrual or menopause leave policy or policy around it. In all reality, we have policies around a whole lot of other issues. So why shouldn't there be? But then, you know, there are some organisations that think, well, we're just singling it out. But, you know, there might be some argument to say, well, what about an all-encompassing policy that, that menopause is included with, you know, mm. with your mental health or, you know, illness or anything like that. So, yeah, there's lots of things you can be doing. It really is a workplace by workplace scenario still. And it's kind of like the last frontier too, Emma. It's it's like the last unspoken thing that, you know, that that women and men, so, so men experience it from a point of view that they've got, a mother, a mm. wife, a daughter, an auntie, uh, a niece that's going through it. And often when we do a presentation to workplaces around what we can do and what we can help them with, and there's a male that's in that presentation, they often will put their hand up and say, you know what, I just learnt more in 25 minutes from you girls, you know, talking about it than I've ever, that I've ever read or yeah. heard before. Thank you. I now understand you know what my ex is going through you yeah. know xyz is going through yeah and that's really powerful you know? yeah and i think you find that a lot of men want to know you know they want to know what it is and a lot of them i think the younger generation are, are, are very much much more it. open to it yeah yeah but yeah. our generation is still it's still shrouded in secrecy it is you know and yeah and this and, I, the, the, sorry, yeah, go on. I was just gonna say this idea of opening it up and having conversations you know we talk about we talk about baby brain as a completely normal thing yes yes um, we do 
But the reality is that women who are going through perimenopause, they're experiencing the same thing, right? Yeah. So um, it's just that the hormones are impacting the short-term memory in, I guess, you know, different hormones still impacting the short-term memory at different stages of a woman's life. Yeah. Uh, But why do we normalize it in baby brain, but not menopausal brain (laughs) that's it and you know we celebrate pregnancy and you know it's 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 sort of like something to be celebrated too i suppose you know depending on how you want to see it and 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 don't forget like menopause is actually it's a reverse puberty Mm. so you know our 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 hormones are ramping up when we're coming in when we're in puberty and, and you know they start leveling out late teens early 20s but then so you have these highs and lows of estrogen coming in and then we're going reversing that and we have the highs and lows of estrogen coming yeah. in as well. So it's all connected. Yeah. Uh, it's just that we just don't accept that it's normal or to talk about it. And mm. I, I'm not really sure now that I know how much that I know, I just, I constantly say to Nellie, I just don't get what we're not talking about enough. And, and I think there's, but there's a lot of, you know, there is so much taboo around it, yeah. around you know, some women will say it's just career suicide. But I think, and I get where they're coming from, but I really do think if you look at what's happening, especially in the UK, who are probably a good five years ahead of us, mm. you know, they are really bringing it out into the open. And we've got some great celebs here in Australia just doing the same thing as well that really helps with with that, you know, with it as well. Yeah. So um, I guess I'm hearing in the workplace if, if you're a if you're a manager or you're an employer or you're in that kind of position, then ways that you can support your staff is to go out and learn more about it. So educate yourself in the best way that you possibly can, so mm-hmm. that because with you know with knowledge comes great power. So once you're you know once you learn more, you know what to look out for and you can find ways that you're able to support your team. And yeah. similarly, that would go for families and relatives, that kind of thing. We spoke about some of the symptoms that people can experience and then we spoke about lifestyle changes for healthy aging. When people are going through perimenopause and they are um, experiencing some of the plethora of different symptoms that are out there, what are, like, are those lifestyle changes likely to be to have a positive impact on those symptoms? Or what? Oh, definitely. Yeah, look, definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, and it is a bit of, it, it, you know, what works for one may not necessarily work for another mm-hmm. or it may work for, you know, lots. But um, it's all about, you know, that those lifestyle things will help. You know, there, there's there's research out there to talk about how, you know, moving our bodies can be so beneficial, even though we might be having achy joints and just not really, you know, we're feeling tired. But just getting out there and having that daily ritual of a walk and fresh air, helps to clear the mind and you know how it is even when you're not going through menopause right that yep. uh, you get out and you do some exercise and you think god i'm glad i'm glad i did that yeah. so most definitely that and you know even from eating the right food now food is information for our body mm. so if you're eating real food come from an animal the land a tree that is information that our body recognizes and so what i'm saying there is eat real food keep your processed um, food to as minimum as you yeah. can possible. Um, and there was a theory, and, the- and admittedly it's a couple of decades ago, but there was a theory that women in you know Asian countries didn't experience menopause 
as you know as badly as women in Western countries because of the high amounts of phytoestrogens in their foods. And so perimenopausal women should uh, basically go on a diet of tofu and soy. Yeah, look there. And you know what? You have to, yeah, look, phytoestrogen is definitely fantastic beneficial food at this time in your life. But there's also, you know, you've got your differences in culture there as well. So they've been doing it for different years. And there's, like I said, I'm no doctor, or, um, but there is an element of the type of, you know, your gene pool and all that mm. kind of stuff of, of what you've been eating from from that culture or where you where you lived. But definitely phytoestrogens are great. Real food is great. It's all about information. And But yes, you don't have, have to just live on tofu and soy, right? Oh, God, yeah. no. Just wanted and to I'm put not, that out there. I, I would never <laughs> advocate that at all, absolutely. You know, yeah. a lot of those elements that I was talking about before. Yeah. But getting, I, I call it, you know, getting bang for your buck. Yeah. And it's all about the nutrient density. So 100%. I love to use an egg as an example, right? One, an egg can have so many beneficial um, elements to it that, you know, I'd choose that any day over, you know, a packet of chips. That's a big, just, you know. Yeah, look, I had it. I know, but just to get my point, but, you know, even avocados, you know, such great foods, you know, green leafy vegetables, you've got your magnesium, you've got your chlorophyll. There's so many elements of it. So it's around having that, um, the messages and that Mm. information. And it's the kinds of foods that you're eating. So, you know, I had a conversation recently with somebody who was trying to lose weight and, they're you know looking at the calories that they're taking in which you know fair enough but sort of going you know what you can survive on let's say 1500 calories of just snickers but what's Mm -hmm. that doing for your body compared to eating a nutrient-dense diet where you can eat the same amount of calories but what is your body getting from it and what is it not getting if you're only eating you know 12 packet snickers a day that type yeah, of thing. So, quite yeah. So, I think we can look at the different kinds of foods that are available and making sure that all your body's needs are being met, really. Yeah. And, and look, you know, it, absolutely. And it really does come back to that. I think where a lot of a lot of people start when they say, come, I'm really going to have a look at this and see what I can do differently. They will come back to that physical pillar to start with. Mm. So, they will come back to the movement, the nutrition, and the sleep. And, we often find and that's often where we start with, you know, that mindfulness that, you know, being aware of that and that slowing down, that stress element. Mm. And we work on that and then we move on to the next bits um, as well. But the pleasing thing with that is that often we see that clients that start there, they go, okay, I'm ready for more now. I can see the benefits that, you know, that we're having. And, uh, you know, I just, I recently did some work with my father and mother. Um, my dad had had a few heart issues and had things investigated and and they said to him, you know, look, we can't really see anything and he was carrying a bit of weight. Mm-hmm. And they said, he said, well, if I lose a bit of weight, would that help? And they go, yeah. Absolutely. It's not going to hurt. <laughs> no, that's it. So he lost, he's lost over 12 kilos yeah. and he, he, he's 77. He's walking everywhere. He can't believe how wonderful he yeah. feels. but. That was just starting to happen even from that two kilo loss mark, yeah. right? And, and you know, there's nothing wrong. I mean, I, my, my issue, I, I appreciate that we're all, we're all different shapes and sizes, but I think when, when things are getting to a point where they're actually impinging on your health, that's time. It's a bit of a wake-up call that, hey, guys, you, you've got to do something different. Um, 
yeah, and it's amazing to see the renewed energy that he has. But that's not just him. It's, it's everyone that we work with. And one thing leads to another. And again, like I said before, your body's really clever. It's like your body... Your body has a way of saying, you know what, I really loved whatever you just gave to me or I love that sleep that I have. I want more of that. And it, it sends you messages to be able to get that going more yeah. of, you know. It's I difficult love the body. though. You're so clever. <laughs> it, yes. It's difficult though in the society that we live in because generally people don't want, like fruit, losing weight isn't difficult. We all know how to do it, right? We mm. all know mm. move more, eat less. And, you know, energy in has to be has to be less than energy out and you will lose weight. So in theory, nice and easy. But can't I just take a pill? Isn't there a tablet yeah. that I can take that will make me feel better? And that's we live in this instant society where mm-hmm. but if I make healthy lifestyle choices, that's going to take time and it's not easy because I'm not getting the instant gratification that comes with the 12 Snickers bars and I've got to actually make the food that goes with it but when we're looking at we're talking about we're talking about menopause at the moment but those you know the walking the mindfulness that's impacting the entire of your aging healthy aging rather than just HIT to alleviate symptoms yeah, and look, there's there's definitely um, there's definitely um, for those that can take HRT, and I'll put my hand up. Mm-hmm. I, I take HRT as well. I've only just started for particular reasons, and that's made a huge difference. But that doesn't mean that I drop all the lifestyle elements. Yeah. And in fact, um, the menopause specialist that I actually see had said to me, if you weren't doing what you were doing, you would be, you know, a lot more grief. So, and she will be the first one that tells you that I can give you HRT, but if you're not combining it with lifestyle strategies that are long-term, you won't get the, um, you know, the solutions that you're after. So, you know, the sleeping, the, the, the meditation or the mindset or the slowing down, you know, the movement, you know, the eating. And, and the eating doesn't have to be hard. You can just make, you can make one change a week and it would make a difference, right? Start this, by drinking more Again, water. it's that go big, you know, yeah. like we don't have to go big, yeah. you know. So for, for a lot of clients, I'll say, have a salad with your lunch and dinner. Yeah. And they love it. They come and go, oh, I love that, right? And they keep it going. Yeah. So it's, but it, it's, it is simple things. So yeah, HRT, I, I don't have an issue with it. And really understand there was a lot of flawed research around it mm. and, um, you know, understanding it a whole lot more. And if you said to me a few years ago, I'd be having that, I'd be saying, no way, yeah. uh, right? But now I've really, really educated myself mm. and I'm seeing someone, Nat and I actually just attended the menopause conference in Cairns with the Australian Menopause Association. And that was enlightening. It was amazing to see some of the research that's coming out of it. And in fact, there was some, there's some amazing research around mental health in menopause Mm. and how that decreasing estrogen has such a big effect on it and how that we we're getting a lot of doctors that are prescribing antidepressants when in fact they should be looking at hrt or mhts you know now rebranding it to to be able to support that estrogen that our woman's body probably needs in, Mm. in certain situations or in most situations about having a nice baseline to keep it humming there as well and, and supporting your mental health. And that was just like a standout lecture. And it was like, wow, you know. Yeah. 
yeah. And I know we talked about symptoms, and I know that I'm running out of time, but I'm going to sneak in one extra question. Go for it. <laughs> um, we spoke about symptoms in perimenopause. Are there symptoms in like postmenopause that women should be aware of? Yeah, look, pretty much the same. Some of them can stick around, sadly. You know, mm. or we hear women that are still having hot flushes or flushes, you know, 50s, 60s, and 70s. That's not very, fair. No, it's not fair. And it shouldn't, it's, there should be a law against that. There really should. <laughs> That's right, exactly. Um, but a lot of women do say they ease off. You know, there's definitely this, um, you know, this this element of your comp, you know, a lot of your confidence is regained. Um, confidence is a, it takes a big dive and mm. I, I can put my hand up and say definitely affected me probably only in the last six or eight months that, you know, I feel like I've got my confidence back. And it makes um, sense, doesn't it? So your hormones are all over the place. Your mental health is, is suffering. You're having mood swings and gaining weight, like all of yep. that adds and not up sleeping to properly. and not sleeping so all of you that know, is it definitely adds up to a recipe for extreme self-confidence doesn't it absolutely <laughs> you know and look and, I, and i've always oh look i've been one of these people that's never really had huge mood things and i've always been fairly confident about what i do so that really caused a lot of uncertainty for me it's yeah. like where where am i at what why you know and things i could multitask previously but now i've learned one thing at a time. Just, I think that's a really yeah. good lesson for life yeah. anyway. I think multitasking, Absolutely. we just need to stop that. Like stop multitasking, do yeah. one thing and do it well. Yeah. So, yeah. It's when, just, and it's, it's like anything when you're used to something the way it is, it's like you do question, like, you know, what's going on. Yeah. But there's a lot of things that women talk about regaining in a positive light once they're postmenopausal as well. Um, so, you know, there is a lot to look forward to mm. most definitely. So, yeah, and I look. I would just, I would just say to your listeners too. You know, just if you're not really, if you're listening to this today and you're thinking, you know, I could probably look after myself a little bit better, just do a little. You know, just do one or two things differently that you know you're giving yourself a lot of self care and self love. And we actually talk about that whole self care thing. It actually features a lot on our Instagram feed as as reminders out there. Often we put them towards the weekend because it's probably the time where a lot of women think oh, I might take a breather. Yeah. And interestingly enough, too is we are finding that a lot of women might take self-care, like do the education and the training within their workspace or work time, rather opting to do it then than rather doing it after family they leave time. the workplace. Yeah. yeah, because that's their family time. Yeah. And and I get that, you mm. know. So, But now and then it is, you know, like on Saturday, I took off with some girlfriends and had a lovely lunch and that filled my cup. It's not that I didn't want to be with my family, but... Doing things outside of your family time is also really good as well. Yeah. And I think that often, so we talk about filling our cup and you can't pour from an empty cup and put your oxygen mask on before you put other people's oxygen masks on. Yeah. The reality is so often we say that, but we still put ourselves last. And Mm. because looking after ourselves feels selfish. But the reality is if we don't look after ourselves and we break, who's going to look after everybody else then? So exactly. If you take and the that time comes and, back to that happy mum, happy sons. Yeah, you know? that's it's exactly so it. Yep, take yeah. the time, small amounts of time, small things. Look after yourself. Actually, that's not being selfish at all. It's putting other people no. first. You know, because, absolutely. Yeah. most definitely. I think um, it's a really good point. And and I think sometimes um, 
a lot of the coaching that we do is not about, um, we've definitely got programs that we're doing, things like that. But within those programs, um, it's about the incremental things that we start off with at the start. And you might gather more momentum as you go through, but there's, you know, there's a starting point, which a lot of people have that is really at, it's there, it's, it's developing a new base. Yeah. And I think that no matter who you are, if you're looking to make change, whether it be big or small, starting with a new base and what that looks like is your, you know, what you want to launch from mm -hmm. and figuring out what that is, is really important to, to get clear in your mind first and foremost. Yeah. And I always think, you know, going back to that concept of stages of change. And so you got pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, action, and relapse. So relapse is, that's yeah. normal. Yeah, and that's right. It is normal. And I think a lot of people go, oh, I failed. I'm just going to give up on everything. That's exactly When you yes. haven't failed, you just, you know, you've just gone down. Maybe to, taking a step backwards. You know, that's yeah. it, you know. So you just go back up. And it is a bit like falling on and off a merry-go-round, I suppose, sometimes too. Mm. So... It's just um, noticing that, you know, everyone is human and no one is, I can tell you now, I, I fall off it all the time. But, you know, I, I just get, I get back, back on and I have my, I have my base, yeah. which is where I come back to and go, okay, what have I done? Okay, this is what I need to do. Yeah. And, um, and look, yeah. I aim to, I have some autoimmune conditions that I manage through diet and exercise and I aim to do yoga every day and eat really well. And generally, you know, so I'm sort of obsessive about it until the point that I fall off the wagon. And sometimes I fall off the wagon for a day or two and I jump back on. And sometimes I fall off the wagon, smash it up, sell it for firewood to buy chocolate. So, <laughs> you know, oh, but then you, you do just, that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you got to start and you make a new wagon and you get back on it. But that's right. completely yeah, okay. You know. So sometimes yes. your wagon and looks different when you rebuild it. That's okay but too. But you know what? You learn something new every time that happens. Yeah. So, you know, the effort that you've had or done hasn't gone astray. You yeah. And you end up getting back on and starting quicker yeah. or getting back to where you want to quicker because yeah. you've got the benefit of hindsight and, mm. and what you've done previously. So it's really important. A great, great point. Yeah. And you've learned from you know, last time and, yeah, where you got to and the mistakes you might have made. So Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. 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 So before we finish up today, is there anything else, any words of wisdom that you'd like to add? Um, look, I, the biggest thing that I would say is just be kind to yourself. Mm. You know, just certainly take the time if you're not feeling quite yourself, you know, take the time out to, to find, you know, a practitioner whether um, that be a GP or a naturopath or a nutrition person or, you know, someone like Nat and I, that you can chat to and, and see if you can start establishing what, what it is, what, you know, why aren't you feeling yourself? But make the time to find out and don't just keep going on that treadmill and just thinking, oh, if I hop off, you know, am I actually going to, is it, you know, it, do I have time to hop off yeah. in the first place? Yeah. So, so that self-care is really, really important. You've got to really put yourself first, if, you know, if you want to give to all the others around you. Mm. So, I yeah. think as well, something that you said earlier about um, the GPs and GPs don't necessarily know all of this. I often think GPs, they're general practitioners. They know Correct. a little bit about a lot of things, but we need to be experts in us. And so sometimes right. that means that we have to do the research. And when you go yep. in and you see some of those practitioners, you say, this is what I'm experiencing. This is what I've found out. This is the support that I need right now. 
And That's if you're right. lucky, you'll find a really great GP that can offer additional to what you've been able to find. But it's okay to take control and to say, this is my journey. I'm going to be driving the train right now. Yeah, you know, Emma, that's so true. I, I've got a wonderful GP that I've seen for a number of a, a large number of years, but she wasn't she wasn't trained in menopause, and mm. and we both worked together. I did my research and I had my appointment with her, and I said, look, this is what I think. This is who I've researched because you know what, that's fantastic. You know, and and thank you. I actually didn't know that person was in our vicinity of where we are. Yeah. So you know, she, she's learned from it, and she'll put her hand up and say, you yeah, go for it. You know, and I can't wait to see what we find out when we catch up next. So yeah. That's that's a great GP. Mm. Yeah, 100%. People who are open mm. and, and I think if you go in and you say, I need a referral to this person and they say, no, I'm the doctor, find another doctor. Yeah, so. and trust your gut. Can yeah. I just tell you, women, as women, our gut's usually pretty spot on, but then we question it because our confidence is waning. Yes. And we think, oh, maybe not. But it's still... Whatever you're experiencing, even after you've gone to the doctor, it's still there. Trust your gut and 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 look into it further. And if you're not getting the answers, go somewhere else. Yeah. One of the things, um, ways that I use journaling is often to go through that trust your gut type activity. So this is mm. the problem that I've got. If my friend was experiencing this, what would I be telling her right now? Yeah. So. It's- true yeah you know so I know the answer to this because I'd be able to tell my friend find another doctor I'd be able to tell my friend that you know what something doesn't feel right here you need to look into that more yeah if I know that enough to tell my friend I need to listen to if I'm expecting her to listen to me I need to listen to me correct Um, yeah so beautiful advice I love that I love journaling for that so (laughs) very good yeah very good well thank you very much for joining me today I really appreciate it and yeah any anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up today no i um i've I've loved the chat it's been really good i could chat for another hour actually (laughs) me too often (laughs) (laughs) but yeah you know and hopefully there's your listeners have got something out of it as well so that would make my heart sing if they have yeah me too most definitely and in the show notes i will put a link to your website i'm also going to put a link to um, you said the Australasian Menopause Association? Yes, yeah. yes. So. And and we've got, I don't know, um, we've also have our own um, podcast. Yes, I wrote that down as well. Power. What was it called, yep. sorry? Perimenopause Power. And you can listen, you know, through Spotify, Apple, all those ones. And we're at our, about our 53rd episode, I think, 53rd or 54th. And we there's a bit of Nat and I talking about different things and we have a number of different guests from all over the spectrum. And, yeah, it's great conversations. And they, they run from about 20 minutes to 40 minutes, depending on who it is that we're talking to or what we're talking about. And, yeah, it's all around perimenopause and beyond. So um, your listeners might, might, might like to check that out as well. Fantastic. I'll add a link to that as well. Awesome. But uh, thank you very much for joining me. I really appreciate it. And thank I know that we didn't necessarily follow a train of thought, but we went all different places and I appreciate that. Thank you for joining me for today's episode of A Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. For more information on the services we offer, head to whws.org.au 
or Women's Health and Wellbeing Services on YouTube and social media. Looking forward to the next episode where we uncover the hidden world of women.